0: within CX circles, and maybe even more broadly, there's a belief that the experience revolution will be technology-driven. I don't think it will be, te- I think it'll be technology-enabled, uh, yeah. but it's gonna be human-driven. Uh, and you know, what I mean by that is, at, at its heart, experience is about empathy and understanding, and that's where it starts, right? Understanding yeah. what motivates humans, what drives humans, how, how, do, how do you drive behaviors? Welcome to Conversations That Matter, a podcast from Unifor. Here, we explore the latest customer experience trends, sales insights, innovations in AI and automation, and more with well-known thought leaders and industry experts. Tune in and join the conversation.
1: Welcome everyone to another podcast. I'm your host, Randy Sar, and we have a fantastic episode today. We are talking to John Ward from Cigna. John and I had a, a prep call couple weeks ago. And one of the things that he said was, the two podcasts that he listens to is New York Times Daily and Conversations That Matter. I did not pay him. But that was a great compliment. Uh, And what I love about our community is that everyone is sharing their thoughts and uh, best practices around how they can get 1% better within the world of AI and within the world of customer experience. So if you're out there listening in, thank you for listening in. And today's show is going to be great. So, John, welcome uh, to today's show. Hey, Randy. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, so are we. So let's, uh, let's get to uh, our questions of the day. Then we'll also do some rapid fire. Um, and as always, if you're listening in, we want to hear from you. Hit us up on on Twitter, or now called X, or on LinkedIn. Just use the hashtag Ctm Podcast. All right, so in your role as global head of customer experience at Cigna. um, We want to know what is one myth about that specific role that you hold that you would like to debunk? Sure.
0: Well, like you said, I've listened to enough of your episodes to know that this is the standard starting question for the podcast. And uh, and I love this question. It's one of the things I always look forward to uh, with every new episode. So um, I actually have two if if you don't mind. One is related to the role and then one is related more broadly to to customer experience um, and, and the work. So related to the role, and I think we've gotten better on this, but I do think there is still kind of a myth out there that um, people that are in roles like mine, heads of customer experience, um, yeah. care care mostly about the metrics that they are directly accountable for, which which in our world tends yeah. to be measures of experience satisfaction, net promoter score, you know that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think you know good leaders of CX. Do do care about those metrics, and at Cigna, we're lucky enough; those metrics are actually part of our enterprise scorecard. So they're they, they actually impact, you know, how how company ratings and compensation, and so they're actually you know they're actually codified at a pretty high level um, within the company as being metrics that matter. And me and my team are directly accountable for those metrics to um, to our executive leadership team and to the board. And by the way, n- not just for reporting the metrics, but you know, understanding why they're moving the way they're moving translating that into insights that we can actually drive uh, that actually drive the work forward so that we can improve. Um, So so we do care about those. But I think, you know, good leaders of CX care as much about the other metrics in the scorecard, the ones that they may not be directly uh, responsible for, but should feel accountable for. Um, And so in in my world, that tends to be metrics around, uh, you know, health outcomes, certainly around affordability, uh, operating expense improvement, you know, those are reven- revenue and, and income, obviously. Um, yeah. and, and, and great leaders of CX, I think, have done the work to understand the relationship between the experience metrics and the, the business metrics, the growth metrics, such that, yeah. you know, we can actually partner with, with the business to say, okay, here's how experience can actually advance your agenda. Um, and, you know, we've, we've done a lot of that work at Signet to understand those relationships uh, so that we can be pretty, pretty surgical about how and where to apply experience to drive the business
1: forward. Awesome. All right. Well, that, that definitely, uh, so the myth there is we shouldn't just focus on those CX metrics, but the business outcomes, the, the results, the, the underlying uh, value that you're bringing to the business, right? Yeah, no, that's right. That we, we say a lot of,
0: you know, we, we care about experience as an outcome, but we really care about it as an enabler of of other outcomes uh, that we care about yeah. at the company, uh, that the things that drive our growth. So, um, yeah. So that that's well said. Cool. Um, so tell us, uh, how did you get into your role? What's uh, what's your background? Uh, yeah. So, I I've always been in very customer focused roles. I think um, okay. studied studied marketing in in college, and have always been kind of interested in what motivates people, what drives behavior. So I actually started my career in market research on the, uh, on the, on the, supplier side, so doing work for big corporate clients around, you know, segmentation and brand equity tracking and, you know, those sorts of things. Um, very cool. and so I did that for about the first five years of my career. I had, had okay. done enough work with, with corporate, you know, uh, clients that I said, well, I want to go see what that world's all about. So, um, yeah. so, uh, first, first corporate experience at American Express. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, and one of my early roles at Amex was actually managing one of our co-branded card products, um, and I was responsible for customer engagement, customer retention, and and yeah. very quickly realized that that I only I only impacted you know a sliver of what actually drove engagement and retention. I had partners in in digital, I had partners in operations, I had you know other partners yeah. that were also impacting. Um, those outcomes, and so in order for me to to do my job well, I had to really partner with those teams, make sure they understood what the strategy, what the objectives were, um, yeah. and and kind of you know create create a you know a, a community or a model where we were all kind of marching towards the same thing, that we had clarity on who was doing what, and then this was like before the before the times when you actually had defined CX roles, um, and yeah. you know in, in corporate environments, and so. Did that for the product that I was working on. Realized it was an opportunity across the full range of first co-branded products and then br- more broadly consumer products. And you yeah. know, and eventually over over a couple of different roles that that led to um, uh, a VP of customer experience role uh, within the consumer card division at Amex. And okay. in, in that role was kind of responsible across the portfolio. It wasn't managing the products, but was looking yeah. across the products and pulling in all of our matrix partners to understand. Um, how how can we leverage deep customer insights marry that with business strategy to drive the right outcomes namely you know experience satisfaction in that case you know more card spend more renewals th- those are the metrics that we cared about I was going to say uh, when did the signal come about how, yeah how did you transition from, well from, from so that? so I had a you know I love the MX loved the people at MX um, yeah. uh, but eventually kind of had you know broader aspirations for a and enterprise all role. so the, the experience role at, at amex was just within one division of the company the role that i'm in now at cigna looks yeah. across all of our um all of our lines of business or so commercial lines of business our individual lines of business um, our health services business and and is really um is really i'm really responsible for kind of a couple things one bringing forward uh customer and marketplace insights to help drive strategies and roadmaps um to working hand in hand with uh, with our with our business partners and our functional partners to mm. activate on those insights through you know through uh, journey design and you know the requirements that we want to build to actually deliver real experiences to customers, and then on the back end all the measurement right of when we've actually put something into market uh, right. is is that doing what we hoped it would would do, and again not only from an experience standpoint but is it actually driving the business value that we need to drive? So looking at all those things as well cool and you've been at signa for how long been at signa for six years yeah just past six years uh about two weeks ago awesome yeah after after five years you get a gold watch or uh, <laughs> you, <up? laughs> you know i can't remember, do that I anymore? remember when i got actually but it's funny actually one, <laughs> one of the stories i tell is um, you know because we just kind of talked about my, my career journey but I, yeah. I started my career i spent a couple years at a digital agency back during the dot-com kind of boom and subsequent went bust I was, yeah. then, I was then in financial services, 08, when the credit crisis hit and had a front row seat, that, you know, to that. And obviously, yeah. you know, now in healthcare coming off of, well, hopefully coming off of a uh, a global health pandemic. And so whether, you know, whether these things follow me or I follow them, I, you know, I don't know, but, but those have actually been really, really um, tremendous, both learning experiences for, for me personally, for sure. but also for the work that I do, um, golden opportunities to kind of bring the, the you know company's values to life in a very real way for customers. So it's been uh,
1: been gotcha. fortunate in that way. That's very cool. Awesome. Great great background. Um. All right. So on this podcast, we you know we talk a lot about AI. Uh, in uniform. we're talking a lot about uh, how the future of enterprise AI is human. Uh, and I'm kind of curious from your perspective, what role does AI play in SigNet strategy for not only the customer experience but also for the employee experience? Yeah, I love this question, and
0: I know that's a it's a big, big, well, big area of focus overall, but also of, uh, of the conversations that you've had with with former guests on the podcast. So, um, yep. so starting point, and, and I love the way that you frame this as a as a kind of a present term is because it's it's not just the future, right? We yep. we've been using AI um, to to actually deliver value, and 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 it's it's had some really good applications. So, you know, I talked a bit about some of the role that my team plays, right? We, I, I manage um, the the voice of customer programs for the company. So net promoter score in, in all its forms. Um, and, you know, and we, we have tools that, that we've kind of overlaid onto that to be able to make, make sense of what our customers are telling us. So, you know, we ask a yeah. lot of questions in kind of closed ended form and we get, we get quantitative data from that. But the richness is, is in all that unstructured data when we ask verbatim questions and we ask for feedback. And so, you know, so we have tools that can help us understand the themes that that are coming through in the in the words that our customers are 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 using to describe their experiences of their relationship with the company, um, to do things like sentiment analysis to know like what's what is what is the what's the emotion that's coming along with those words. Um and and that's really helpful as we think about uh, getting getting very targeted around the the areas of opportunity for us to either lean further into the the bright spots, the things we're doing well, or to, to go after those um opportunity areas um, in, in, you yeah. know, like in a very in a very precise way, uh, you know, do, doing some some things also uh, through natural language processing, right, given giving agents, the ability to get kind of real time input and feedback, like uh, in the moment on, on, on a call with a customer like those tools are those tools are in use today. Um, and, uh, and, and actually delivering value, looking forward. Uh, and you know, this is where Gen AI comes in. And obviously, this has been this has been the year of Gen AI, Um, you know, we see a lot of really powerful applications, certainly within, within our space. And, and I think we're just kind of scratching the surface, right. In terms of, in terms of what, what those could be, but, but, you know, high, high level, um, especially within, within our business, within healthcare, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of back office stuff, right. When you're talking about claims and, and, and those sorts of things where you've got, you've got large, large data sets and a lot of unstructured data. Um, and, and, there are absolutely applications there and, and those are important because, Getting getting really good and really efficient there. Obviously, there's efficiency opportunities, but that's the place where we prevent issues for customers before they even happen. Uh, and so that those are some really sure. important applications. Sure. And then and then obviously front end applications through service delivery through you know, digital, all those sorts of things. I mean, they're you know so so yeah. right now we're working through what what are those use cases? Where's the best where's the best place? What's the highest and best use of of the capabilities? How do we test and learn um, and then scale?
1: Very cool, uh, I, I like your strategy. I like, I like kind of where it's going. Um, from a uh, kind of organization organizational perspective, uh, who do you partner with to, to build that uh, AI strategy and, and to empower others within the organization uh, with all the insights that you have?
0: Yeah, well, so, so number one, we've, um, we've actually established an AI center of excellence uh, because we recognize um, the importance, the opportunity, and also the need to go about it in the right way, um, yeah. and so you know we're closely partnered with with that team, um, uh, subject matter experts, right in 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 this yep. space, and really kind of on, on cutting edge. Um, and then you know more cross functionally, it's it's you know it's working with with all the teams again. I, I talked about back end and front end, and so it kind of cuts all the way across. Right. But um, but I think the important thing is, uh, and we'll probably talk about this you know later on as we get into it, but is the use yeah. cases right? Like it. it, it the problems to solve um, because it's a gen AI is a, you know, is a really powerful tool, but it's, it's one of the tools in the toolbox and we've got to be really deliberate about, about the problems that we're trying to solve. And so, you know, whether that's, whether that's, if there's an application within, within a contact center environment, that's, that's, that's where we're going to go and partner. If there's an application within a digital context, we're going to, you know, we're going to partner there. Um, So.
1: Yeah. Um, The, the, you know, we have other CX leaders that are listening into this uh, as you were before uh, and they're a wide variety of industries. So, you know, healthcare, I love uh, what you're talking about and, and it's interesting to kind of hear how Signa has a center, center of excellence. Um, but what advice would you give other CX leaders that are either in healthcare or outside um, as they start their kind of AI journey? Um, well, I, you know,
0: Hopefully this doesn't sound like a vanilla answer, but uh, it, it kind of continues where, where I ended the last one, which is yeah. start with the problem. Um, you know, there's a lot of everything you read right about the risks of AI and particular Gen AI are around yeah. hallucinations and biases. I, I actually think that the 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 biggest near term risk isn't with the capabilities themselves; it's with us, the users, in yeah. in, in thinking that it's um, that it that it's a solution. And then you go looking for the problem. And it's got to be the other way around. Um, Use this analogy before. Uh, and I certainly didn't, I, I can't claim ownership of it. But you know, when, when you've got a hammer in your hand, everything looks like a nail. And I think that is that is the biggest risk. Um, yeah. So start with the problem, understand the, the, the biggest, most pressing problems to solve. And then think about what are the tools in the toolbox that we have to actually solve that. In some cases, we're going to find that's a, it's a Gen AI use case. In some cases, we're going to find yeah. it, it might be another, another capability. But as long mm-hmm. as you, as we orient on the problem and always start with the problem, then, then you can kind of work your way forward from there. So I think, I think that's, I think that's the biggest thing. Um, so not specific to Gen AI, but certainly Gen AI has sort of shined more of light on that um, as a, as both an opportunity and a challenge.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, we're not trying to, to- Integrate technology just to integrate technology, and, and just please the customer because they they see a shiny object. You know they still want to get their problems solved. That's right, uh, the issues solved, right? And so, whether that's a process thing internally, whether that's a resource thing, whether that's a you know it could be a budget thing, like uh, maybe it's a workflow thing. Maybe people aren't talking to the right people, and that has nothing to, at, least at the onset to do with AI. It has to just do with kind of collaboration. Yeah, maybe I may you know, maybe AI enables that, Um, but you need to figure out what that is first so that you can map it into your, you know, into the AI platform in terms of like the conversation design.
0: Yeah, well, you know, we the first question I said I was going to give you two and I think I only gave you one, but you just nailed the second one, right, which is, you know, I think that I think that within within. CX circles, and maybe even more broadly, there's a belief that the experience revolution will be technology-driven. I don't think it will be. Te- I think it'll be technology-enabled, uh, yeah. but it's going to be human-driven. Uh, and you know, and what I mean by that is, at, at its heart, experience is about empathy and understanding, and that's where it starts, right? Understanding yeah. what motivates humans, what drives humans, how, how, do, how do you drive behaviors, uh, and so the the tools and the technology can help deliver on that, but but not before you have that deep understanding. And so I think it will be technology enabled, but but human driven. Uh, And if it's the other way around, then, you know, then we're going to continue to sub optimize. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, As a leader yourself of a CX organization. um, There's a lot of shiny objects that are being thrown in the industry in terms of adopt this adopt that as we've talked about. Um, But how do you kind of want to ground yourself? One and then two is how do you foster a culture of innovation that can quickly adapt to this because things are happening so quick and consumer expectations are so are are are, are needed even, even quicker sometimes. So how do you how do you deal with that within your within your team? Yeah. Well, so. So number 1 and again this is going to sound kind of basic but
0: you know l- listen to customers right we spend a lot of time parsing through that data and that insight and and what we hear more often than not is um what customers consider really good experience mm. sometimes is is what we would consider kind of mundane it's just nailing the basics and so um yeah i do think there's there's a there's a a need for and space for thinking about like next generation experiences are really innovative things or things that the customer has never seen before um yeah but not before you nail the basics and there's a lot of there's a lot of opportunity for i mean improvement in the experience but 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 value uh in in getting better at nailing the basics and so i think making sure you have a perspective on how am i weighting the the blocking and tackling meat and potatoes nail the basic stuff with yeah with with the innovation because you got to be able to do both that can't be an either or But, but they have to happen in relative proportion, you know, to, to one another. Um, and so, you know, so I think that's, I think that's important when you talk about like innovation and customer centricity, like the starting point is always, you know, mission and values. Like you got to anchor to the company's mission and values because, you know, that's, that's your, that's your grounding point. But, but beyond that, I think it's about, it's really about creating the right environment and having the right talent. And so from an environment standpoint, I think it's about, um, empowering people to to ask questions and to challenge and to have open open discussion about you know uh different paths forward different approaches you know those sorts of things um i I think that diversity obviously is really important Mm -hmm. and i'm just i mean certainly gender Mm -hmm. diversity and ethnic diversity but just diversity of thought is really important especially in our business we 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 serve we serve all different types of customers and so we have to have people that that have very diverse thought thoughts and experiences and 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 life uh, life experiences those sorts of things yeah. in order in order to really connect on a human level with the customers that we so sure. I think so I think that's really important uh, it's also that's also kind of part of the part of the talent strategy as well but the, the other thing I'd say just on talent is I think a really undervalued skill certainly for the work that that I do but probably more broadly is curiosity like you know being curious uh, that's
1: for sure is that's strong. like that's. Yeah, no, sorry to interrupt, but I think we're on the same page. Like curiosity is is key towards any hires that I do. It is in some ways all the resumes coming in are all the same skill sets, but what I want to know is whether you're one proactive, but also whether you're curious to learn about the next thing and to want to be a better either person or to, to make the company better. So that's. I think we're on the same page, right? Hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent.
0: And that's you know that's that's not just curiosity about customers or what makes them tick. It's curiosity about internal processes or internal systems yeah. and how things work and why yeah. they were designed the way that they were designed. I mean, you, know, you hear examples all the time. Yeah. Well, that's just the way it's always been done. Or, or well, you know, my, my, my favorite, <laughs> my favorite, working as design. Well, maybe it wasn't designed all that well. So you know, yeah. having the curiosity to ask those questions, do it in the right way, right? Be- you know, because yeah, question. You know, yeah. But having the curiosity to kind of dig, dig deep and dig further to really understand so that you can then say, okay, well, what might a different path look like? Or how might we optimize that? Or how might we improve that? Really, really, really important. Um, And so I, I, I like you value that uh, from a talent perspective
1: immensely. Um, Gosh, uh, I love that we're on the same page. Um, I I mean, I've been here for three and a half years, started in, uh, originally started in January 2020. Consulting for a bit, and then started uh, on March 16th, right when COVID started, uh, full time. And so, some people think see me as a long uh, tenure person here, um, but I, I'm constantly like, we've done this before. We we got to do something different. We got to be different. Uh, it's like the good old Apple slogan, right? Think different. That's right. Uh, so uh, as we get to Making everyone one percent better, as we say in the podcast. You know, what's one piece of advice that you would give CX leaders listening to this podcast? Does that say need be AI? But like, what's we've given a lot already, so I don't know if there's anything left. I mean, you you definitely squeezes it all out. <laughs> but is is, is there uh, is there anything? Uh, if if you were talking to CX leaders at a conference uh, in a community setting, what's one thing that you know someone came up to you and like, I'm trying to trying to be better at my job. What's one thing that they could do?
0: Yeah, well, I, I've already given kind of my number one piece of advice, which which is start with the problem. But I'll go beyond that. So a couple of things that 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 I talk about a lot with with my team. So number one is, you know, um, y- yes, we 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 serve our customers hundred percent. So we got to know our customers. That's a given. That's kind of table stakes within within the CX space. Yeah. Um, yeah. Be a student of the business. Like I always tell my team, you know. We have to know the business as well as our PL owners know the business if we're going to be effective, impactful, you know, business partners to them and and serve their needs. So, so yeah. know the business because the the magic in customer experience happens when you bring together the the customer need and and the business need and and can solve problems that way. Um, so I think I think that's really important. Uh, the second thing that I always talk about with the team is um, you know. I, I, I use the phrase, how can I help, right? So we all have jobs on paper uh, and it's important yeah. to be clear on roles, responsibilities and kind of know what you're accountable for. But but at some point, like the what's on that eight and a half by 11 piece of paper goes out the window because when you're <laughs> in there trying to solve problems, you know, everyone's going to bring a different a different skill set, a different set of experiences. And so I always say, yeah. no, you, you have to have a, how can I help orientation? And sometimes you know, for some engagements, that's going to mean you're playing this kind of role. And for other engagements, it might be, in a different kind of role, and you know, and so that's how you build the kind of relationships that 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 you know earn you the right to to do more of what what we love doing and what we feel accountable yeah. for you know for doing. And then I'd say the third thing, which kind of builds off the of number two, is um, I think that doing good CX work uh, requires a problem um, orientation, but being solution oriented. And Mm -hmm. what I mean by that is the problem orientation is only to frame what it is we're trying to do, but you got to quickly get into how would I solve that? And that, and that's the, so that's, that is the, that is the orientation, um, uh, you know, that, that I think people need to have. And it's, it's, it sounds a little bit, it sounds a little bit subtle, um, but I think it's meaningful because, you know, if, if people get stuck on saying, well, this is the problem and that's the problem and it's just a problem, problem, problem. Well, okay, okay, but when do we get when do we get to the solution? And do you have a point of view and a perspective? And that and that doesn't mean that it's be a, a my way or the highway or that you have a, a monopoly on all the good ideas. But a lot of times, uh, you know, you, you like you, you may have done this too. Like you, you walk into a session, you start with a blank sheet of paper and everyone's kind of looking at each other. So someone's got to take that first step sure. forward and say, here's what I believe, here's my take sure. in the ground, sure. and then have yeah. the courage to say, it's not right. Right? It may, maybe it's 60% yeah. right, but but that's 60% more than if I came in here with a blank sheet of paper. So react to it. Tell me what what you think is wrong about this. And I, I'm mature enough yeah. to take that feedback. But I know that that's going to get us to, you know, the, yeah. the 90% that we need to actually get something out the door. And I say 90% because nothing's ever at 100%, right? So, um, you know, <laughs> yeah. so I think, I think having that courage and having a, you know, like I said, having kind of a, 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 a problem orientation, but, but ultimately being solution oriented solution. is is really important.
1: Yeah, that's really key. I mean, I think you go into a meeting, you want to, you can like say you're going to a, a brainstorm meeting, you want to be able to have some ideas, but then you to, in the end, everything's going to meld together into a brand new idea that you never even thought of, right? right. And that's where the diversity of thought comes in. Um, and the different backgrounds that people have to, to you know get to, to where you guys want to go. Yeah. Um, so we've talked a lot about what 2023 is about in terms of AI and, 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 and Gen AI. Um, well, what's going to be different in your mind in 2024? Yeah. Um,
0: well, one, if I had a crystal ball and I could predict it, I'd, you know, I'd be, <laughs> I'd probably retire and, and, you know, and go, go off to an island somewhere. But, um, you know, look, w- one thing I know is customer expectations for what great experience looks like uh-huh. are only going one way. Uh, they're going up and, 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 you know, you hear people talk about this a lot, but in our space, like great customer expectations aren't informed by the best healthcare experiences that they've had or that they're having. They're informed by the best experiences they're having, period. And so, you know, uh, you, you have to understand that and you have to be able to kind of look, a, a, you know, across and again, this, this requires kind of a, a customer orientation, not an internal, like not an inside out orientation To say, what are the best experiences that people are having out there? What problems are they solving? And what, what is the applicability of those problems and those solutions to what, what we're trying to do, um, to try and, to try and bring that in and say, well, what might that look like in a, in our case, in a healthcare context? Um, and so I, I think that anyone who doesn't think that customer expectations for experience are going to continue rising and rising fast, um, is, is going to get caught on the wrong side of this whole thing. And so, you know, you really have to stay, stay out in front of that, making sure you're in, in tune with customers, in tune with certainly with your competitors, but also in tune with what the very best out there are doing. And, you know, me, me and Mike are yeah. always doing that. Um, to say what, yeah. what might what can we leverage, you know, imitation is the most sincere form of flattery. There's no <laughs> shame, right in, in, in looking for no. of uh, those kinds of examples and, and trying to pull them in. Yeah. yeah, even outside of your industry, right? Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. 100%. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right, awesome. Uh, well, we're at the time, we're going to do a little rapid fire. We're going to do some, uh, some quick uh, answers as best as we can. Um, some of them might be a little bit longer. I got one question there that might be a, bit, a little bit longer than a rapid, uh, but we'll, we'll go for it. Okay. Uh, you, you ready for it? I'm ready. Awesome. Uh, so if you were calling into a contact center and you could, uh, this person that was answering the phone, the agent that was helping you could solve your problem, issue resolved, you're often you're you're totally happy. This person could be a celebrity, an artist, a musician. Who would this uh, celebrity, artist, musician, dead or alive, be? Yeah,
0: yeah. This is easy because uh, because there's a there's one that comes to mind because I'm uh, I'm a little bit obsessed right now. Uh, <laughs> so it's a it's a it's a musical artist. His name is Harry Mac. Uh, for yeah. those that don't, I love Harry Mack. Oh, do you know Harry Mack?
1: Oh yeah. All right. Uh, cool. I, I watch this stuff all the time. He's he, yeah. he is like the lyrical master. Yeah. like I don't
0: I don't know how he does it. it's unbelievable. so um anyway, so f- <laughs> for those listening who don't know, he's a he's a freestyle rapper and 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 just does things that i like that, that uh, like blow your mind. so um, and I really appreciate it again, looking for examples outside of industry, yeah. right that right yeah. is is the you know the the improvisation and the creativity. and like I think there's a lot. I think there's a lot to learn from yeah. that. Um. Uh. So not only not only would he kind of freestyle the whole service interaction to me, which would just be you know a hoot. Um. Yeah. I, you know. I think the that 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 kind of improv that that's a skill set. That's a skill set that's yeah. yeah obviously obviously required for what he does. But think about it. Think about an agent, right? They don't know what someone's calling it about. Uh, you know, it's it's the whole thing is kind of improv. And so anyway, that that
1: that's yeah. an easy one for me. Uh,
0: it, it would be Harry Mack, no doubt.
1: Oh my gosh! Like uh, his main thing is like he wants people to say, "Give me three words." And then I'll, uh, I'll do a, you know, random rap on it and it's all off the cuff. And so could you imagine someone, either your AI tool, like giving you the three words or maybe someone, or maybe he says that, like, you know, uh, I don't know, say you're calling into uh, your internet service provider, got, you know, lines down. <laughs> uh, I can't work, and I need it up now. <laughs> and I, I, I need thought you were going to freestyle there for a minute. I thought that's where you were going. With that. That'd be great. <laughs> uh, I've been I've been known to be a lyrical master. I, my my uh, Twitter handle is DJ Kasar but uh, that's that's all I got. Nice. Uh, first word that comes to mind when you say CX? Well, I um, I actually
0: don't like the term CX. That that's that's not a word, but that but that's my reaction to that one, which is. The the function certainly the functions come a long way, but 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 we haven't come long enough that everyone just intuitively knows what what CX means, and so I think we actually do ourselves a bit of a disservice when we just say CX, and and then the reality is CX means different things at different companies, and you know so there's still a lot of kind of explanation of of what that actually you know of of what that actually means. Uh, first word that comes to mind when I say AI, uh, potential. Yeah. And I think we've, you know, I think we've just, we're only, we are only just scratching the surface.
1: And so I think, I think potential, uh, if you weren't working in your current job, uh, and money was not an object, uh, was needed, what career would you pursue? I would, um, well,
0: it would be one of two things. I would either be a hardware store owner just because I'd love to kind of be the you know, the guy selling hardware in the community and having people coming in and, you know, that sort of stuff. Uh, Or I would do um, um, like furniture restoration. I'm a bit of a, uh, I'm a bit of an old soul. And so anytime I, you know, like I, well, I have a pickup truck, so like, which is dangerous <laughs> because anytime I'm driving down the street and someone's put a piece of old furniture on, i I feel compelled to throw it in the back of the <laughs> They just think like that, you know. They don't build it like they used to. I'm kind of showing my age, <laughs> yeah. like so. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I I I pick all that stuff up and I and I restore it and, and keep it in the world. So uh, one of those two, <laughs> one of those two would
1: be probably what I'd be doing. Awesome. And I, this uh, answer to this question might be what you just said, but what is your best day? And it doesn't necessarily need to be work related. It could be a combination of work and personal. Like, what's your what would be your best day? Yeah, um, it, it,
0: it's probably a bit a bit mundane. But so I, I tend to be a morning person. I don't function very well unless I get a good workout in the morning, which I do, yeah. which I do get to do most days. So so that's good. But yeah. but it would always start that way, just because it kind of it kind of you know for me gets gets the juices flowing, gets the blood flowing, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, um, and, uh, so, so, so that would be number one. And then it it would be a day of, you know, that I had off of work and my kids had off of school and, uh, and, and frankly, just kind of spending time together doing, doing whatever it is they want to do. I have, you know, they, they're, they're into their sports. One plays ice hockey, one rides horses. And so we're, we're doing um, that. I, I love going to do that stuff. We, we live, we live by the cool. coast. So we're out in, you know, kayaks or paddle boards. Any one of oh, those three. things could be, you know, could be good and make <laughs> for a really good day. Um, but, you know, but, but, but that's the stuff that, uh, that's the stuff yeah. that, gets, that gets me going. So, yeah, I love it. I love
1: it. Well, uh, that's it. Rapid fire. Uh, you survived. All right. <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I made it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much uh, for your time today.
0: Yeah. No, thanks for having me. This is a really good conversation. And like I said, long, long time, yeah. uh, listener. So it's, it's nice to be on this side <laughs> now and, and, and actually be contributing. So I, uh, so I really appreciate the
1: invite. Yeah. No problem. Uh, and for those that want to reach out to you, maybe they heard something that they were like, man, I want to know more about it. What's uh, the best way to reach out to you. Uh, yeah. Best way to
0: reach, find me on LinkedIn. Um, and you okay. know, I think it's like LinkedIn slash JWW one nine four. That's my, that's my handle on LinkedIn. And so, you know, reach out to me there. I would love to connect. I always love having conversations with, with folks about this stuff. Cool. So yeah,
1: All right, will make sure to put in the show notes. Um, but uh, again, thanks so much. I appreciate your time today. All right. Thanks, Randy. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening in. This has been another podcast uh, from Unifor, and we are so excited for all of you guys listening in. So if you're listening to this on video or listening to this on your uh, commute to work, uh, you know, let us know. Uh, you can email us at podcast.unifor.com. Have a great day, everyone. We
0: hope you enjoyed this episode of Conversations That Matter. Subscribe to our podcast for more great content, And if you want to learn more about the topic we discussed, visit Unifor.com today.